This is the A to Z podcast. I'm Zach Jackson. He's Andre Knott. Shouts, as always, to Honeymoon Grill, to Scene, to American Fireworks, to Cleveland Whiskey for helping to make this happen. Shouts to you guys for helping this thing grow. A to Z podcast.com, Facebook.com slash A to Z podcast. And I'm going, going back, back to Cali. Cali. So we're talking Browns and Niners <laughs> and all sorts of football before we do that. Good morning, Andre. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Look at you going to going back. To, all right, this will show your true age and show ours. Um, if you're and you say going back, back, back to Cali, are you singing the LL version or the Biggie version? The the Biggie version. Um, I'm an LL yeah. fan. You know, uh, probably Mama said knock you out was probably one of my first rap songs. You know, and no doubt. No I got doubt. to see LL perform. Let's just play American Fireworks Glory Days right off the top. I got yeah. to see LL perform inside the Browns Fieldhouse one night during rookie night. So now, um, oh, you know, now you see these fancy presentations and Hard Knocks really blew it up. But the Browns digital team and shouts to them, by the way, they've been awesome. Um, you know, they they shared Baker doing the John Dorsey right, and and now you know right. every coach, every camp kind of has rookie show uh, structured differently. But back in the day. Um, when it was Carmen's Browns and Butch's Browns and every day was a damn party. Um, they would set up a stage. They would set up a stage in the field house and set up chairs and they would do the rookie show and the coaches would talk a little business and then they would bring in a musical act. And I saw both run DMC and LL cool I was run DMC, yeah. in the field house. How about that? That's awesome. Think about, I mean, I, and I don't know if you touched this in the book and I don't know if we've really had this conversation, and we won't. We don't have to do a long time on it. We just talked about what Carm, what Carmen tried to bring to the Browns, and it's funny they're playing the 49ers this week, so it kind of plays into it perfectly. Even though that Dwight Clark was, and I've had some great conversations with uh, some people from the 49ers just about Carmen and what he was trying to do here in Cleveland. And I think for most of our listeners, you know, go back to '99. This seems like a long, long time ago. Um, but Carmen tried to bring a winning atmosphere. To Cleveland, he tried to treat the players like they treated Joe Montana and Jerry Rice. Am I correct? Am I right, right in saying that? A- no, absolutely. He, wanted, he uh, wanted to build them to be the Niners, right? Yeah. Under Carmen and Lerner, it was the best of everything, right? I mean, they they, they wrote right. a lot of checks uh, for a lot of. They, they had the best services. They they continued to upgrade the facility. You know, something that's it's, we talk about seventeen remakes of the facility. That's no exaggeration. Um, you know, the problem is they didn't always make the right hires. And then it just never got the traction. Right. And then when Mr. Lerner passed, which was only three years into the team being back, right. you know, Carmen saw the writing on the wall. It wasn't for him anymore. So, you know, he instituted some things. They swung and missed on some things. But, yeah, I mean, back then it, it was spare no expense. It was try to get the best people to do, to do the jobs. In, in some cases they hit. In some cases they missed. And uh, it was kind of wild. I mean, they – at the time, Butch Davis was the hot name, right? And they made up their minds that Chris Palmer right. wasn't the guy, and they were going to go get him. I mean, the famous story that I really have never been able to confirm is that they sold the deal, Butch's wife, by promising they would put a heating system underneath their driveway of their house so they wouldn't have to shovel. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. That that right. sounds to right. me, Dre, right. like one of those things that's too ridiculous to not be true, but you never know. Right, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure it's true. Yeah. I can tell you I'm pretty sure it's true because Triv used to tell me how the learners had one um, at their house and how much it cost, and he knew the people that put it in. 
So I'm 98% sure that is a true story. Yeah, and, and, you know, then it just took off the cycle of ridiculousness where Carmen stepped down but thought he'd be around for a year, and they bring in a guy who has really no or little NFL experience, and he hires, like, 11 new vice presidents, right, and then wants to be involved <laughs> with football, like everybody else. You know, it's just the cycle that's gone on right, and on right. and on. And, and Randy Lerner really wanted to follow his dad's lead in that we're going to spend, we're going to give them the best of everything, and I'm going to stay out of the way. But, you know, they didn't have a Carmen. He didn't really have any strong leadership for a long time, and it became the shit show that it's been. So uh, it's, it's funny yeah. you brought that up. But anyway, yeah, I, I thought – well, first of all, um, when I was about five or six, my mom's going to shit her pants laughing when she says this. I was in a lip sync contest at Summit Mall to run DMC Walk This Way. What? <laughs> Are you God. kidding me? I, thank right. God there's no I, I video. I got a $100 bounty. Hundred dollar Andre not bounty if anybody gives me that tape. Hell, I'm making two hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> Come on, Miss Jackson. Woo! I'll buy Christmas gifts this year. I gotta see you <laughs> run DMZ. And, oh my God! You say walk this way? Is that what you do? Walk uh, this way. That song. Yeah, you know, everybody eventually has a few songs that takes them to a place in time, right? And, uh, no doubt, no doubt. That was probably the first one for. I, I don't know if it was the. First, it's one of the first ones for me, and it's to this day. You don't hear it very much anymore. Um, but yeah, you know, it's funny because I, I was never like Adidas. Thank God, I was never really uh, dressing like those guys were. You know, I was, <laughs> I was totally into dressing like Vanilla Ice and MC Hammer a few years later. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that throwback picture you put up uh, the other day on Instagram. Got me to chuckle a little bit. Did the plane dealer come take a picture of you and talk about you when you wrote when you wrote your first book? <laughs> yeah, they sure did. So what they would do back then, this is when newspapers were a thing, is they would do a, a, a you know the, for the football preview, there would be a lead like on every conference or every county or whatever. And so um, they tried to give me a little pub for the book as kind of the lead to uh, the uh, either the Pac-7 preview or the Southern Summit County preview, whatever it was. So, yeah, so that was some pretty okay. good pub. I think I sold 300 of those. I was pretty damn proud of myself. Damn. So you so you should probably be able to hit that, hopefully, with this new book. I'm hoping, right? Well, hopefully. Uh, early returns are positive, but it's a long way to Christmas. That's good. For me and for the book. That's good. I, it, it's a long time for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> way to sell it partner way to sell it um is there a nervousness um like when i put together like a like for tv if i like do multiple interviews and then i kind of you know like i know what i put together but then i put it in the hands of my producers or camera guys and like for for a minute i sit on my hands and i'm like man i hope they i hope they package it this way or they do it this way did you go through any of that with this, this book that you just got done writing? Like when, well, once you put do, it in, are you? Um, next week, let's do a whole pot on the book, right? And if people don't want to listen, they don't have perfect. to. Perfect. But I will answer yeah, that by perfect. saying uh, yes. Again, shout out to my mother who was my proofreader. Uh, the real video to have is the two hours of us screaming and cussing each other at the kitchen table over things. She she did catch some errors, but then she just thought some things should be changed, and I pretty much told her that she was wrong. Right. So that was good. <laughs> yeah, um, so it was funny because what you do is you pour your life into it for a certain amount of weeks or months, right? And then right. it's over, and you have just this big come down, like any big project that you do. Right. Right? So then you just pray that there's only like one or two errors instead of nine or ten. 
especially in today's day and age, right? Where people are going to find them, find no them out, point them out. And, and, you know, when I make an error in the athletic or whatever, I can go back and fix it in a book. You can't do that. So it's funny. Right. Um, when Ed Reed went in the hall of fame uh, at the beginning of August, I, I wrote that story on some of the Browns, you know, with recollections of Ed and some of the things he did. And I was going back through box scores and games, making sure dates and numbers matched up. And I was convinced that I messed something up to the point that at four in the morning I woke up in a cold sweat thinking like a whole chapter of the book was the wrong year. And so like I was that two hours later, I was sprinting to find out I was wrong, but yeah, it does. It it sticks with you, you know, like when you actually pull your heart in. So, so yeah, that was, uh, um, yeah. But anyway, I look forward to that. that. No, I can Um, see that. So yeah. One quick announcement on that front. Um, October 15th is the official release, and then October 14th, if you're local here, Summit County, Northeast Ohio, um, Dano's Lakeside Pub in Akron on the Portage Lakes, 7.30 that night, uh, and there'll be formal announcements next week, but Monday night the 14th uh, will be the official release party where I'll be signing books, uh, baseball's over, so hopefully Drake will be there, be drinking some beers and telling some yeah, stories. Yeah, I'm coming. Yeah, and I'm not getting in the water. Hopefully there'll be some Confederate flood. No, I'm joking. No, it'll be a good night. We'll have fun. Um, I look forward to that day. November 16th is my wife's foundation uh, party at the Barley House down in Cleveland with the celebrity bartenders. I'm sure we'll get a couple of these books, copies of those books that I'll, uh, I'll be, we'll be throwing at people one way or the other. I, I got to tell you, um, you know that I've been, you've known all week long that I just got done, and you do this all the time. And we can, and I will have this conversation and they can talk some football. I spoke to the Akron, University of Akron women's basketball team about communication, interviews, and social media. And I got to tell you, Zach, everything that I've tweeted or thought about tweeting for the last week, I kept thinking these girls are going to listen to me talking. They're going to see the idiot, idiot <laughs> that I deal with on social media. And they're going to go, how the hell is this guy going to tell us? I'm just like, it made me look at everything that you say and do on social media. Um, and I got and I know you've been through this, but sitting with a group of, of, you know, college women from 22 to 18 and, you know, and they're in a different world than I, like, I literally had to ask them if they knew who Dennis Robin was. And do you know, I'd say only three girls on the team knew who Dennis Robin was. Wow. And they, and they're hoopsters. It freaked me out. Yeah. And they're hoopsters. And I mean, they kind of knew, but they kind—you know—they was kind of like. But I mean, he was his heyday was what the '90s when they were, you know, like when he was right. like in the mid '90s. But and I, I don't know how I had that conversation. We were just talking about, you know, answering questions questions from reporters. And I told the story about how Dennis Robin, even though he's playing with Michael Jordan, who they knew, how Dennis Robin became like the most popular player on the team, and it wasn't because of what he was doing on the field. And this was before social media. And I was just trying to explain to him how you can be popular for all the wrong reasons, you know, when social media comes along and things of that nature. But I was so blown away that none of them knew Dennis Rodman. I didn't know where to go from there. I was like standing in front of him. I'm like, well, holy shit, I'm old. Fuck. <laughs> I'm like, what do I say now? Like, you don't know Dennis Rodman? The other thing, too, and, and that's just, you know, it makes you feel old. But the other thing is in this situation where you're dealing with social media and whatever, what we have to understand and what I think the smart coaches and administrators understand is these kids grew up with this, right? Like this has been their, their whole life. So 
we had the very sad demise of SI this week, and you see all people our yes. age and 10 years older than us talking about the thrill of running to the mailbox and getting SI or sitting on Every the chair Thursday. or jumping in your bed, right, and reading SI cover to cover. Whereas these kids have watched stuff on YouTube. That's what they've done, right? Um, right. They've, this is how they've communicated. And, you know, part of that comes from Freddie Kitchens talking about it kind of dismissively. But what he's said when he's done that, and this is mostly in the offseason, is I'm not going to sit here and give you guys a quote about Baker did this or Baker did that or Baker clapped back at Colin Cowherd because that's what he's been doing, right? Like, yeah. this is the generation that has their own mixtapes, mix whether you're fucking good or not, right? You're on Huddle and on YouTube, whether you're good or not. Those girls that got recruited sure. by Akron U, you know, some of them got seen the old-fashioned way by by the pipeline and, and by playing in the right, right summer showcase. But a lot of them sent their highlights around and hoped somebody called them back, right? Like, right. you know. It's um, true. It is true. It is true. And so they've been in the world of rankings and um, being out there and all of that stuff. And, that, and that's why it's so hard for them to understand that you can say that one false step on social media can, can blow it all up for you because they've never thought about it that way. You know, this has always no. been their mode of communication. And, you know, one thing I say is the right way to do it is just to say, don't tweet it, don't post it, don't do all that. But the fact is right. when you're the on one of those four-hour bus rides, when you play women's basketball, yep. the Mac or the Horizon or wherever – the very first bus ride, you should take the time and delete every one of your old damn tweets, just in case. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> I mean, well, I, I put the coach. You're right. I put the coach on. The, I, I go, coach. I go. Have you ever not recruited somebody because of their social media? And she said, yep. And I, and I said, I go. You're telling me a, a female under the age of 18 can tweet or post something that will make you not recruit them? And she goes, yes, indeed. And to me, I go, well, I go. That's the story. I go. Now imagine you guys all got scholarships away from coming to play basketball. Imagine not being able to get a job doing something you tweet from here now. I go because that's it's 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 amazing. You're right; they've grown up on it. They see it so differently than we see it. More jackasses that are on it every day. Yep. And the Sports Illustrated thing does get to me. And I it's funny you brought it up because I was going to bring it up too. Because you're right; it used to come on Thursdays at my house, and man, that was everything. Like, and and I'll admit, and I'm in a bad place. I'm in a weird place when it comes to reading because I still do it. I actually got some words illustrated last year because they, I, it was like for free. You know, it was like 35, whatever. It was like 35, $25 for like two years. And I remember my wife being like, why would you get this? She says, you barely even read it. And I'm like, well, when I go on the road, when I'm on a plane, I'll read it. Or when I'm in a hotel room, that's what I sold myself with Zach. And unfortunately I'm not the guy I was 20. Like I used to read it as soon as I saw it 30 years ago. And I got, I have a sports illustrated in my book bag right now. That's probably from July, end of July, early August. But I still haven't cracked open. Just because half the stories I already read online. And I used to love reading magazines, and I don't know if I'm ever have that love again. It's weird. It is. Um, you know, all, all the tweets, and, I, and obviously being in the business that we're in when this affects people that we know. Um, and, and everyone in our business has a Twitter account. It's, it's a lot more out there than some of the things that go on, right, are. But I think that one of the – probably the one of the most powerful ones I saw is that the essence of Sports Illustrated, what made it the giant that it was, 
was it was observing, right? It was bringing your athletes to life. It was bringing uh-huh. these incredible stories to life, whether it was a big game or some obscure story of the Amish basketball coach, the black Amish basketball coach right. in Ohio, right, that, that nobody knew. Yeah. And it was observing and bringing those to life. And now so much of journalism is not observing. It's just putting one number out there and arguing, right? It's just putting one quote out there right. and, and blasting it out, whether there's context or not. And that's what these kids have grown up with too. So uh, I'm happy as hell obviously to be involved with the athletic and to still be telling stories and the growth that we've had. Uh, I mean, I have questions in, in 10 years when this generation that's only grown up with social media and, you know, this headline clickbait three paragraph journalism, will they even want to read that the way we just longed for those sports illustrated and fought over them with our dads. Right. Like, I don't know. I I, I think so. I hope so. But when you haven't been born with it, it's not ingrained in you. There are a lot of people that looked and thought SI, well, whatever, you know. Um, Because, shoot, even think about it. LeBron making the cover, which really, even though the explosion had happened and we knew that because Deion had been around, because Shaq had been around, because all the shady other characters had been around. Yeah, but that really marked the arrival, right? And that, I think, was in late 2002. So that's 17 fucking years ago. Right. Right, that's amazing. Yeah, and that did change the world. And like you said, we already knew him. We are we are because like everybody came. But when he was on that cover, I also want to say that same week. What was the TV show that did the Sunday? Uh, uh, not the Dan Rather one. Like they did, like they because they had they had Deion oh, Sanders 60 minutes, do sixty minutes. Yeah. Yes. remember like with that kind of going you know this is amazing that they're that 60 minutes is sending Deion Sanders into the jar to interview LeBron James and he's on the cover of Sports Illustrated like that time is that seems so long ago but it seems like yesterday at the same time the, cho- the chosen one cover was February 2002 so that would have been the end of LeBron's no. junior year so I, yeah I was right this decaying brain was right about that one which it usually is about generally useless information I'm usually right on top of it <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's why your book that's why your book should roll right because how it went um, was the the breakout basketball wise I mean outside of the AAU circles and whatever came in his sophomore year when they played Oak Hill down in Columbus when Oak Hill had Sagana Jop, yeah. Billy Edelin and Rashad Carruth and then the breakout as a celebrity, as the slam dunk pick in the draft, as a guy who was never going to be eligible for college, who was already doing this and that, was really his junior year. That's when the games started to be on TV and on pay-per-view and moved to the jar and all that shit. That, that's when that really started. Wow. That's amazing. So, and he's still getting ready. He's getting ready for a 17th season. 17th season. Which is amazing. I remember last year when I found out that his shoes were called the 16 LeBron 16s because it was a 16th year. I, I never did the math on that. <laughs> <laughs> what is wrong with you, man? What is wrong with you? Well, that's how oh, I know my brother's geez. getting old too, because he was a year behind him. Right. So, Oh yeah. This, this is LeBron's 35 seat. LeBron turns 35 uh, a few days after Christmas. So, um, father time <laughs> is on undefeated. Undefeated, y'all better believe it. Don't forget about it, because uh, that is the God honest truth. It is undefeated. Um, speaking of undefeated, 
before we get to the Browns and 49ers, any football team, what's the biggest surprise to you so far that's happened in the NFL season? Oh, the biggest Mine is the Saints being able to win without, Saints being able to win without Drew Brees has been pretty big to me and how good their defense actually played last week. Yeah, you know, it was by. an ugly game, but it was what they wanted. It was what they needed. Um, they answered that. Uh, I'm going to tell you the biggest surprise of football season, and I thought this is where you were going when you said undefeated. Uh, Ohio State, I knew they'd be good. They're always good. Oh, They they look really good, really good. And, yeah. um, you know, it's the first weekend of October, and there's been like three games in the whole country where it's been quality versus quality, right? So it's hard to say. Right, but their raw talent, which you knew you had, they had their defensive line talent, which all the great teams have. Um, the quarterback oozing with talent still needs polish. All the guys around him, even after losing those three receivers to the NFL, <laughs> I mean, this team is really, really yeah. good. And I think I told you when I went to Florida before the season and visited my friends, my friend was like, uh, I want to bet Ohio State. I'm like, sure. And he's like, for $300. Here, I'm going to give you this. Can you get this in? 15 to 1. And I was like, yeah. So the next week, I went and got in this ticket. And, I mean, you know, I'm not saying that it's going to happen, but the way they're playing, you got to feel like they're in the playoff. And if you get in the tournament, you got a chance to win it. They got a hell of a chance. You know, what is it about having – and I don't have the answer, and I haven't watched the full game, but I've watched enough to know. I think it's amazing – that you get a new coach and you can just tell that he doesn't have the same hang. I don't even say hangups, but he doesn't have the same, you know what I mean? Like he's out there aggressive and I was worried that he would come in and he would try to find himself. How much do you think coaching last year um, when, when, when what's the name was out has helped him because he that was a huge so deal. at ease. Yes. I think that was a huge deal just because you eliminate a lot of the, the, the things that you just don't know about. Right. Um, right. you, you're right. there, you're in the moment. And so all the uncertainties right. with with how do I handle a game management situation? How do I handle when some kid right. comes out of nowhere on Wednesday and wants to transfer or his grandma died or something like that? You know, how do you handle just, right. just the, the logistics of, of a road trip in a strange week, a short week, or a 8 p.m. game? I, I think those are all big deals. I really do. And I, I think that that's really served Ryan Day well. And, I, and Ohio State didn't set this up this way. It all just worked this way. Um, obviously, because of, the, you know, the, the suspension or whatever else. But I think that's playing into it more than anything else because I will even say this. The thing that I like about Ohio State, and you, like you said, it's October, the beginning of October. I like that the talent is actually playing up to its ability. I felt like at times, Herb would get caught in the midst of trying to take care of this quarterback. And, and look, this happened. You know, you're trying to take care of this quarterback, so you run this offense. You're trying to take care – you know, I just felt like the athletes never – like, I felt like Urban's Florida teams, they prospered because he got the best and the best one out there, and they were and they, they were able to flourish. I'm not saying they didn't flourish at Ohio State because obviously they put multiple cornerbacks into the league, multiple wide receivers. They have, you know, the multiple running backs. I just – there's something different about this day team so far. I'm not saying he's better. I'm not saying he's worse. There's just, and I think sometimes when you're new at something, you bring you. It's a fresh breath of air. I guess is what I'm really looking at, yeah, and it's fun no. to watch. And, and I think if you look at Urban's track record, that's what it needs to be, right? You go right. You go to a certain point, but you go so hard, and, and certain things happen along the way that you need that change, right? And what do they say in the NFL? 
all the time. If you've got a defensive-minded disciplinarian one time, you better hire an offensive player's coach the next time, yep. right? And, yep. you know, you I, I'm not going to sit here and claim to know a ton. I, I would recommend those of you who have the athletic look up Ari's story from when he went to his hometown, uh, Manchester, by the way, New Hampshire, um, back in the summer. <laughs> it, it was a really good glimpse of Ryan Day. I've never met Ryan Day personally. I know how highly regarded he was throughout football. And, you know, more than just Mike Vrabel wanted him in the NFL. I don't know for sure if he knew this was coming at Ohio State, but I think he's been a great fit. And when you talk about what went on before him and what Urban Meyer did and all this talent on hand, for a guy to go in a situation that's almost no win, right? Because the first time he loses a game, it's like, get that bum out of here. (laughs) And there's a lot of season left. So they can lay an egg along the way because we've all seen it happen. College football is completely unpredictable. But I just like the way this team has handled its business on a week-to-week basis. Cincinnati's a really good team. They whomped them. Going to Indiana, not easy. They whomped them. Uh, going to Nebraska last week, again, nothing to lose or nothing to gain, everything to lose. They yeah. absolutely blow them out of the stadium. Uh, damn, they you, damn you guys at new spots, Re- really impressive start for the Buckeyes. Yeah, they embarrassed Nebraska. Martinez oh. is still looking for his job. Like, Martinez got the hell beat out of him, and I know, he, and I know he's not a great passer, but they, I just like and number and, and tell you what. That defense, number two, that kid can start for the Browns to, on Monday night. That he kid, that, he is, yeah, it's no doubt. I mean, think about what they've accomplished with the no, with that position over the last six years. Like, they got top top three picks at defense every single year now. That is amazing to me. And that position is one of the most important positions in all of football now, right? I think we would all agree that if you don't have a defensive end that can bring it, then you're you're behind the eight ball and trying to win football games right now. And they've got the best in the country year in and year out. I agree. Uh, that's where it starts. Urban said that from day one when he arrived on campus. He got to have that defensive line, and they have it. And then among a bunch of rare guys, and obviously we're talking about a program that's had the Bosa brothers for the last six years, right? Yeah, um, right, right, right. Here comes this guy who's not like them and maybe isn't the player – right now, but it's certainly every bit the prospect that those guys are. And I I think he is the player. I thought he was when he would bump him inside last year. I, I, I know what you're saying. There, look, he's only – but I, I think he has – he can do everything the Bozos can do and maybe a little bit more. Yeah. Maybe. He's getting there. important thing is he's getting better every week, and that's scary as shit. And last I checked yeah. – <laughs> uh, last I checked, Michigan State's injuries had them uh, left playing a true freshman left tackle against him tomorrow night. So, congrats and good luck. Oh, oh, oh. All right, when do you take off for Cali? And uh, San Fran, do you remember the last – Saturday. Okay, so you'll uh, – are you going to go out – your aunt doesn't live out there anymore, does she? Um, she's in the process of moving, so I'll actually get to see her briefly. Um, we were going okay. to go to the Stanford and Washington game, but – I sweat out. That's what I was going to ask, yeah. But Stanford stinks, and it's a 7.30 local kick, which means 10.30 here, and I'll be up at 5 in the morning, so – even I'm not sure I have that in me. Well, you can go see Aunt Joy that listen to the podcast. I'm sure she'd be. Up. I could. I could do Rather that. Rather you, yeah. She she always comes and sees me when I when we do the when I do the games out in Oakland. Uh, great listener, one of the funniest uh, texters in the world, and I'm sure uh, by the end of the weekend she'll be texting me crazy stuff when she sees uh, where I'll pop up on TV this weekend. But that's nor here nor there, and we'll leave that as a secret. Um, <laughs> That's like I haven't been to the new stadium. I know you've been to the new stadium. Uh, that's a different part of the world. 
when you go out there, Jimmy Garoppolo, I, I like what they're doing, but I, I looked at their roster before I knew I was going to do this with you. And, like, their running backs, like, I know them, but they, their receivers. Kyle Shanahan has put something pretty special together, and he's doing it with guys that, that the common folk barely have heard. Right. That, to me, is pretty impressive. Right. Well, we know what Kyle Shanahan's offense is. It's established to run and then get to the point where they dare you, mm-hmm. right? Come up, devote extra guys to the run, um, and then we'll throw it over you, or we'll keep pounding away at it. And so he, it's been a running back by committee. They signed Jarek McKinnon a year ago. He has not played for them. Um, they signed Tevin Coleman this year. He gets hurt the first game, so they've been doing it with right. guys like Raheem Mostert, who used to be on the Browns practice squad. Uh, Matt right. Brita, former late-round pick. Jeff Wilson up off the practice squad. Um, one thing that's scary – is they have George Kittle. We know how the Browns do against tight ends, and that's not well. Yeah. So, so you have to stop the run early. Uh, but on the other side, they don't have their left tackle, which means uh, rookie against Miles yeah. Garrett. I see two good defensive lines. Um, I see 21 points winning this game. I really do. I, I, wow. I'm not comfortable with, with any other prediction other than that. I think it's a grinder. Um you know, people say the 49ers haven't played anybody. They're probably right. But we also don't know just how good the 49ers are. Um, what, How much did they have to clean up over the bye week? You know, they should be fresh and healthy. Right. Nick Bosa hasn't really played. He's going to play. Um, you know, that's a big deal. They have five former first-rounders on that defensive line. Uh, they can get in passing yeah. lanes. They can get penetration without blitzing. And that is the way that you blow offenses up. You just hit on what scares me about playing them. Um, I think they have a strength. And I don't think – I'm not going to call the offensive line for the Browns a weakness, Zach. But when you consider all the other toys the Browns have, and we talked about their toys earlier in the week, if you could have – and they've got all kinds of different – like the, the kid from Oregon who's like 6'8". Like they've got every different type of defensive lineman you could – right? They, they can bring to the table, whether it's Boza. Um, that's where – and why you say this game is going to be a grinder, I think that's where the Browns – are going to have to find their place. Uh, we talked earlier in the week how much we both enjoyed the offense going back to what we saw last year when Freddie, when I would always say Freddie was in his bag. When you know, when he would have the reverses and he would have all the different lineups and he just gave teams a lot to take in. And then he would start throwing. I think we all get caught up in the trickery. Uh, you know, like I hate saying, like you, you, when you see Landry running and he can pitch it or keep it, we get caught up. That's the sexy stuff. But what you don't see is Tubb had that 88-yard run on a, on, a, on, a, on, a, on a sweep, basically, a toss. Well, they ran that toss a couple times last week. It wasn't just one time. You know, that play was set up. Now, you know, I heard people say, well, the toss was his easiest run of the day. And it's like, well, yeah, no. The reason it worked that way is because that block, the, Freddie allowed, and I think any good play caller, and I'm not just saying Freddie, I think, and I'm saying this as a former running back, obviously I didn't play in the NFL level I, you know, like, but I think when you run the football, sometimes just doing something, it's just like a free throw, Zach. When you get to do something enough and you get to see how the blocking scheme works and you see how guys play it, a good running back in my eye likes when you run a play three or four times in one game or five, you know, it's just like, all right, I know. And you can almost see on that last run, it was like that was all set up from the time they ran in the first quarter to the time they ran in the third quarter to boom, everybody has their blocks, everybody has everything set up. Now, I'm curious, and I just saw that um, Landry's out of the protocol, which is good. How many more weeks? And, it, and I heard a good debate, and Emmett, I'm going to give Emmett Golden, I'm going to give him a stamp on this. 
because it made me want. There's not many radio shows I can listen to that make me want to call in. But they were having a discussion, and I was totally against you, Emmett. If you hear this, and Emmett was kind of giving giving Beckham kind of kind of giving him some, like, "Hey, man, two catches, twenty yards," and, and his co-host was saying, "Man, he got the tight end open on the touchdown play. He he made everything else work for the offense." And Emmett went back to him and said, yeah, but DeAndre Hawkins has double teams, triple teams every game, and he gives you nine for 100 every week. And I agree with that. I don't want the Browns forcing the ball to Odell, but how many weeks can they go with not getting Odell the ball less than five times? You mean for Odell's That's sanity or for team production? <laughs> See, I, I don't care about fantasy. You know that. I'm talking about no, I said how sanity. long can you sanity. go? yeah. Oh, sanity. I'm sorry. I thought you said I'm sorry. Yeah, sanity. Sanity is a good word for it. Well, it's a great way of putting look, it. Look, um, they have gone out of their way, both Munkin and Freddie, to say that the guy played a great football game in terms of blocking, in terms yeah. of being a decoy, in terms of whatever. Uh, you know, he threw a punch, he got choked out, whatever. That That's all part of the experience. It's been four <laughs> games. There, there, it's been four games. He's, he's had one monster game. He's had two okay ones. Um, there's an outside story every game. This is what the Browns signed up for, right? But he does play. Yeah. He is so talented that he does demand attention. And he plays with a level of enthusiasm and spirit. And this is what people said all along. is Whatever it is, or whatever the number of things are that finally drove the Giants to say, oh, we know we just signed him to 65 mil, but we've seen enough. The guy loves football. He comes to practice. He shows up in the yeah. games. He does the little things. And so to answer your question, if the answer is, is Jarvis catches that many, and, and has two big ones and goes, then then it's working just fine. Um, and I do think right. the Browns have found something with Nick Chubb, and I want to talk about him too. But, uh, yeah, it's Me fair too. to wonder that, you know, how long you can go. But, but in this league, each week really is its own beast. It's its own chess match. Um, games take on a life of their own via matchups, via who's available, via game situations, right? But, I mean, they're – there could be a time the Browns are down 17 and Odell catches a bunch of them and the numbers are great. The performance isn't right. There could be a time True. when they struggle for three quarters and he catches that slant and takes it all the way. And then, then life's beautiful again, right? It could be one of three catches on the whole day. So, um, right. you don't know that. I, I still think it's too early for conclusions and, and I hesitate to fully use the word breakthrough last week for the offense, but I did see a group that's hit a stride. And most importantly, no longer is week one hovering over every evaluation, right? You're kind of excited to see no if they can build on that. No doubt. You said two things about Odell that I'm glad you said. I mean, you did something that most journalists can't do. You gave all sides of who he is. Yes, there's a side story after every game, and that drives me insane. But you said the main thing and why the Browns made the trade and why it's working and why I think my question won't matter. And I can't believe I'm saying that, but I but I did ask a question where I was doing what we all typically do. You said it. He loves football, and you can tell how he plays, how he blocks. Like we make a big deal about Baker Mayfield running 90 yards down the field and and being childish and waving his arms. And and then on and one hand, it's awesome to see an NFL quarterback that excited for his team. On the other hand, growing up with coaches my whole life, all I'm thinking is if that play gets called back. His ass has got to go back and, and, and take a snap from the five-yard line with no breath. Somebody's going to cuss him out. But that's just, like I said, that's not me being negative. I've grown around coaches. That's how coaches think. But the Beckham thing, I think, is very interesting just because 
I think the cool, the thing that everybody says instantly is, well, they better get the ball to Odell. They better get the ball to Odell. If Odell loves football the way we we both see he loves it, and I'm going off of what I'm not going off of quotes. I'm going off of watching watching him. Like watching how he plays. You can you can to me I can tell if a guy loves a game by how he plays. He has to understand the more Jarvis gets off, the more we let Chubb be the best player on the offense that he is, my day is coming. And it's cut I, like you can like and it may not it, it may not be like you said. You may get some some trash numbers, but sooner or later the big plays are coming for him. Especially if you can feed Jarvis the way they fed Jarvis, and you can get my guy that's coming off suspension going the right way this week as well. I agree. Uh, I agree. I think this offense is trending in the, in the right direction. Um, there are some great challenges ahead, and and not just for the offense. I mean, I watched most of the game last night. Russell Wilson was that was a freaking clinic on how to play quarterback. Oh. Right? Um, so we will see how that goes before we get to our obscure Browns hey, Tom, player of the week. Hey Tom, hey, hey, Tom Reed, Tom Reed uh, wrote a story about how the Browns got the pick to get Chubb. I haven't read it all the way. Um, and you said you want to talk about Chubb. Can you can you give us a cheat sheet on how they got that draft pick? Because he's going to be um, he's going to be a Pro Bowler. He is amazing. To me. Well, it was part of the uh, it was part of the trade for the Brock Osweiler trade. It was that pick. So right. they, they okay. make the Brock Osweiler trade. Um, you know, it's it, they don't trade for – then they make the other one for Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson starts tearing it up, gets hurt, kind of falls in their lap. Um, you know, they the Browns weren't going to take Sony Michelle. They were hesitant of the knee. But they liked Rashad Penny and Nick Chubb. And the Seahawks took Penny in the first round. So sometimes it's better to be lucky than good, right? Yeah, no doubt. Because I take Trump over Penny every day of the week. Every day of every week. Um, question. What the hell would you do if you were in the open field and Nick Chubb was running at you? Uh, shoot for one of his big-ass legs and hope he didn't kick me in the mouth. Yeah. And I then mean, when he's, you woke he's up on bowling, Wednesday, what would you do? He's a bowling ball. <laughs> <laughs> I'd quit. I'd turn in my retirement papers. <laughs> <laughs> He's a bowling ball, and he, his speed though is it's he's got the combination, man. And I heard I heard Deke going with uh, with uh, Dustin, and he said he's got a chance. Yeah, with Lima and Carmen, and he said he's got a chance to be the best Browns running back since since the big guy. Talk about Jim Brown, and you know Deke don't say much. Don't other than calling you a bitch. Yeah, you don't say stuff like that very often about many young players. No, when I did my uh, predictions column. Uh, at the head of the begin, ahead of the start of the season, um, obviously, you know some I really believe in. Some you try to be spicy. Some you're just trying to fill in the gaps, right? And then, of course, people come in and take exception because even though it's predictions and not facts, everybody knows better than you. And the one that was most maligned right. was when I said Chubb would be twelve and 12, 12 touchdowns and twelve hundred yards. And that seems, you know, right. it's a long way uh, because that even a guy easy. built like him can that get it. That's easy, but. Damn. You know what? You know yeah. what I worry about? I'm getting dinged up before Kareem comes back. He's gonna share his time with him. I've told you all along. I'm not worried about the receivers. I'm worried about the. You got you got two you got two of the top six running backs in football. If Hunt can stay out of trouble over these next seven six weeks or so. All right, we got five minutes left here. Uh, we are going to pl- give right. our um, Cleveland whiskey is the sponsor of our obscure Browns player of the week segment. Cleveland Whiskey on October 12th, 2 to 6, at the distillery 
East 25th Street in Cleveland. We'll have more information on this on social media. But they're launching uh, the Christmas bourbon. Again, October 12th. That's next Saturday, 2 to 6 at the distillery, teaming up with GV Art. And it's a big day for Cleveland Whiskey, a product you should check out. Um, Our Obscure Brands Player of the Week goes back to, uh, gosh, 2007. Right, Dre? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. He's he's still in the league. We thought he was going to hang them up, but he returned this week to Houston Texans and signed him. He is Mike Pops Adams. He started his career as an undrafted nobody with the 49ers. That's why we picked him for this week. Uh, the Browns got him Delaware, for nothing. Delaware, right? Yeah, what's that? He went to Delaware. Delaware, correct, a Del- Delaware Blue Hen out of Patterson, New Jersey. Yep. A place that's the yep. worst of the worst, quite frankly. Um, he came yep. to the Browns. He did everything. He played special teams. He played both safety spots. He made a nice career, and obviously it's still going. Uh, Pops is a good guy on and off the field. We really like him, and I know we we got uh, chuckle out of seeing him still in the league. But some guys are made for this shit, right? And uh, Mike yeah. Adams is a guy we will never forget, and a really in low key but important player for a lot of Browns teams. Well, what he's been able to do to have a career still in 2019—a smaller guy, not big, took care of his body, never drank, never did things like that—but he also understood when he came in. He came in, think about this. He came in, as you just said, special teamer, had to earn everything he had. He literally, when he came to the Browns, they just, they, I remember asking him, what do you do? And he was like, brother, I'm going to be a Swiss, Swiss Army Knight. I go, what do you mean? He goes, I'm going to do anything and everything that, that they ask me to do. I'm not a cornerback. I'm not a safety. I'm a football player. Lo and behold, after he played for the Browns, what, five years, went to Carolina, and he went to Carolina, Zach, and became a pro bowler at like 34 years old. To me, we need more stories. We need to tell more stories about Mike Adams, who's helped out in Patterson, New Jersey, who does turkey giveaways in, in Jersey. He comes from the bottom of the bottom, but he's rose to the top and found a way to stay there. And I think he's one of the amazing NFL stories that you may not see on NFL Kickdown or any of those TV shows, but he's truly what the NFL is about because we all know those three letters stand for not for long and somehow pops. It's stood around a lot longer than anybody else from that draft class that he didn't get drafted in or anybody else that ever saw him play growing up in Patterson, New Jersey. So I tip my hat to Pops, and I'll never forget, I never saw somebody talk so much shit when I was on the Brown sideline to the Gunners. He's the one that made Josh Cribbs into a great gunner. He would constantly tell Cribbs, you want to make it in the league? Be like me, dog. Beat that guy's ass. And I would watch him. When they were lined up to be gunners, Adams would yell at Cribs, you going to let him beat you? you going to let him take your money? you going to let him feed your kids? And, it's, it, I, it, it, and if you know Pops, he had a way to motivate those guys. And I know when I talk to Cribs now, one of the first names he always brings up to the success he had was Mike Adams. So salute to Mike Adams being our guy of the week this week. I would say let's have Mike on the podcast when he retires, but I'm not sure we're going to be alive by the time he finally hangs him up. So. <laughs> he may last. He may last longer than us. <laughs> <laughs> some things are upsets, <laughs> and some are just meant to be. Um, shouts it's, as it's always. Funny you, to but see. it's funny you say that. Let me. Let me. It's funny you say that because when Pops was here, he used to call me and ask me to come do TV with him and do that TV show on Thursday nights because he would say to me. Brother, I don't know what's my next step, so I got to be ready to go on TV once football's over. Eleven years later, he's still playing. That that's crazy. It really is. It it really is loony. Shouts as always to Scene, 
to the Honeymoon Grill American Fireworks. It's bonfire season. It's lovely outside. AmericanFireworks.com is open 24-7 for all your fireworks needs. It's Friday as we record this. The Browns play Monday night. You know that. I get back to town Tuesday night. So we will be at it uh, sometime mid-next week. Back on the podcast train. Buckeyes are off next week. Uh, Browns come home and play a big one. Um, you know, Jerry, I don't know that this is this is an important stretch for the Browns to measure themselves. Based on what I've seen, though, as long as they stay healthy, as long as the offense can make incremental improvements, I don't think they necessarily need to run off a bunch of wins here. I think they need to stay afloat and then get, get good in November. Yeah, tread water, baby. Tread water. That's what it's all about nowadays, tread water. Have a good flight out to uh, California. Enjoy it. Get you a good book to read or something. Uh, and don't let the time change mess you up. And don't go anywhere I wouldn't go in, in San Fran. Kenichiwa, Tupac. Talk to you next time on A to Z. Mm-hmm.